I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at Pooley Shrew, it's Andy Davies. What's going on, Andy? Good evening, Steve. How are you? Tired, man. I'm tired. I think uh, you're the same. So we have a mixture of staying up till the wee hours of the morning, plus babies, plus <laughs> it's a, it was miserable to lose by a field goal in the last... I don't know because we use it usually happens when A-Rod's having a bad game right and this happened because we're having a good game which makes it more painful which makes me think about all the times that we've done this to teams so uh, how were you handling it uh, rough night last night it, it was rough but on the pain scale where was it for you so 1 to 10 1 being no pain 10 being excruciating <laughs> Seattle <laughs> NFC, NFC championship <laughs> game scale 10 yeah where were you last night i was i was about a, about a five i think or a strong four it didn't it didn't hurt me that much yeah i was about the same and funnily enough that pain scale is what i use when i go and visit the doctor or from hospital they say to me how bad is it do you need morphine i'm like it's about nfc championship and they're like we don't know what you're talking about you're obviously speaking gibberish uh let's give them the highest dose we can so yeah it was about the same it was four because i expected us to lose as did i think everybody else then we put up a good showing, but I I don't think there was ever a point in the game where I thought this is gonna end well. I I think it was kind of like <laughs> I I hoped that it would, but I kind of had the feeling that it wouldn't. But you know, I was proud of the team to a degree. Uh, not talking about your defense, but I was proud of the team um, offensively to to get some sort of thing going. But Andy, for me, it was kind of what we predicted, right? So I said on the last podcast, it's going to be the dinky donkey stuff. Um, and he's going to try play safe. And I think the only big plays that we got were on very obvious busted coverage, which again, with Brett Hundley from me, isn't actually a gimme. So, you know, he, the likelihood is he's not going to see the busted coverage. He's going to just track his, you know, wide receiver one, go read his first option, and the next one is to try leather someone uh, at the, at, you know, hit the Gatorade stand. So, and maybe that's a disservice to him and maybe I'm being unfair, but that's where my expectations kind of lie at the moment. Yeah, I think there was a sense of inevitability about the the overall result, wasn't there? But there was enough sort of green shoots of encouragement to be, you know, um, at least at the very least encouraged for the rest of the season. Um, I think I talked to you in that. Um, I said it's sort of going into the game. It reminded me of the New England game in mm. 2010 with Matt Flynn, yeah. and it sort of panned out that way, didn't it? That you you know we scored a, a heap of points, 28 points, and um, ended up losing the game by a field goal. So I think. There was uh, reasons to be positive. Sort of Blake Martinez was phenomenal. Um, I thought Jamal Williams ran the ball really well. Uh, Devante Adams showed yet again that he's uh, the true number one wide receiver in the squad now. Uh, I thought Demarius Randall was excellent. So, so uh, you know, eating a few words there because I think he's been since the sort of Chicago debacle, he's been very good, much improved, much more physical, uh, and, and playing really well. Um, it's good to have sort of Morgan Burnett back in the team. Um, I thought Justin Vogel punted really well as well. That punt um, inside the final two minutes was excellent. And that was about the, the, the sort of high spot of the final two minutes, which were brutal, to be all honest, weren't they? So. Yeah. Well, and this is the point that you often raise, is that often you'll find great teams will come up with a way to win, irrespective of what happens to them. And I think, you know, you sort of pick out points like that, like Justin Vogel's punt. And, you you know, that was that was a shining light to do with the you know the special teams or whatever but then on the flip side and we take a look at you know going for 
going for the field goal attempt, that 57-yard field goal attempt, which ended up giving the Steelers fantastic field position, um, which was a mistake on that part. Talk to us a little bit about that because you sort of were saying this in pre-prod as well, weren't you? That's one that stands out for me. And then, of course, you raised that two-minute drill and the mistake there. And then kind of just circumstance, really, with Hundley getting drilled in the head. So there's a couple of things that kind of worked against us. There's a couple of things that we could have done better. And by all intents and purposes, maybe the Steelers are a team, and they have been certainly this season, that played down to the opposition. It happens to me playing golf, right? I'll go off playing golf with a guy who's, you know, handicap of minus seven. And, uh, you know, he's a pro and I'll sort of, you know, keep not keep on pace when I'm not going to say that, but I don't hammer the ball into the bushes as much. But then when I go out and play with my mate, who's sort of a, he hasn't even got a full set of clubs. He has like a driver, a putter and then something in between. And I end up, he ends up beating me, you know, and that, that's kind of the way the Steelers were going on. This game really did come down to Hundley protecting the ball um, and doing his dinky dunk stuff. Some nice play by some individuals. Um, an awful lot of people have, have gone anonymous, but the likes of that, Andy, is what scoreboard this really was. And I mean, that two-minute drill and, and all the little things around us, just bad decision-making. Oh, it was very bad decision-making, wasn't it? I think the um, the problem that I had with it is that it was a game that we had nothing to lose. Nobody expected us to win. So at that point there, where you've got a 57 or 58-yard field goal, is option C. Uh, option B for me would have been punt the ball and try and pin him inside yeah, the 10. Exactly, option yeah. A, we've got nothing to lose. Nobody expects us to win. Let's let it all hang out. Season's on the line. We just go for it. If we don't get it, who's going to criticise you? Nobody. So I just don't understand the, the rationale behind that play call, to be honest. Um, the other key call probably was the uh, the helmet-to-helmet blow that, that Brett Huntley took. Um, I mean, I think he should have took a, a standard eight count there because I think he got a, a little bit dinged up. But that was as clear as helmet-to-helmet shot as you're going to see. So that was unfortunate, wasn't it? But the game management, time management, play calling, all, all those three things inside the final two minutes was pretty brutal, to be honest. And if we were um, competing a bit more intensely for division honours, you know, playoff position, you'd be you'd be spitting feathers right now because um, it was poor all round, really. And it's unfortunate, really, because the Packers put up a really strong performance over the the previous fifty eight minutes. It was just those final two minutes that really differentiated the result. And, and it is like you said, it's good teams find a way to win, uh, and poor teams find a way to lose, don't they? I mean, you need to look at the Cleveland Browns and how they've performed over the season. They'll perform well. You know, Ryan's alluded to it on several times. They'll perform adequately for 45, 50 minutes and then they'll just, you know, do Brown's things. And we're not at that level yet, certainly, but we we found a way to lose that game last night, didn't we, as opposed to win it. And I think the NFL comes down to um, playmakers uh, and they've got more playmakers than we've got. You know, Jill asked the question, didn't she? What do we need to do to to win the game? And the, the... the killer bees, Bell, Brown, and, and Ben. We need to stop them, and they're their playmakers. They're the uh, the difference makers, and we couldn't stop them. You know, they accounted for 350 yards, Bell and Brown between them, and it's uh it's difficult to win when you're letting guys of that nature sort of run the show, really. Yeah, it's you know what, it's a mixed bag, really, because we did we did well. I mean, in the areas that you really wanted to do well, so Blake Martinez was a, an inspiration. Uh, Brett Hundley, no interceptions. His passer rating of 134. I don't think tells the whole picture. Um, now, I mention this every podcast, and I'm a believer in the product, but Pro Football Focus, we're an affiliate. Uh, you get a tenner off, which is 25% off if you click the link on our site. And, you know, th- you can look at that 134 pass right and think like, Jesus, he's done well. He's put on a good audition. He's got three touchdowns. He's got zero interceptions. Um, 
But when you when you look at the actual yards that he put up, so, so he put up 245 yards, three touchdowns, sounds amazing. But then you look at that massive chunk play to Randall Cobb. You look at that chunk play to Jamal Williams. Like that was a 54-yard screen, which is just pretty ridiculous. Um, and per pro football focus here, which I like to follow for myself here because it's late. Um, like only 62 of his yards were, you know, him making those plays, which is pretty ridiculous. When you think 245 passing yards, that that's a ridiculous tally. Uh, for someone who's dinking the ball off and then just hoping that the rest happens. You know, of course, it comes down to good blocking. It comes down to intelligent footwork. Um, and, of course, he's going back to his go-to guy, which is which is Devontae Adams. But ultimately, we were unwound by the defense again. And Ben Roethlisberger, he's not having a vintage year. Um, but Antonio Brown certainly is. He's the type of guy who, I don't know how he wasn't taken first in fantasy. Uh, you know, that... that sort of went to Johnson, uh, the running back who now sits injured. But Antonio Brown, so, on, you know, he has a rating of 92, which is just off the charts. Ben had a perfect passer rating when he went to Brown. Ended up with um, 10 catches out of 12 targets with 169 yards and two touchdowns. But he was the Achilles heel uh, for the Packers, wasn't he, Andy? I mean, and I, I said this pre-prod as well, this guy is pretty much indefensible. I don't think anybody can can stop him. Some of those catches he was making was were in tight coverage. An awful lot of it comes down to Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, as well, being able to make the throws. But Antonio Brown, like that catch a la Jared Cook at the end, um, was a game-changer, game-winner. And he was the X-factor. And I just think for a Packers defense who struggles at the best of times for marquee players or... And I mean that in it's the marquee player of whatever offense that they're playing. It doesn't even have to be a marquee player. We've seen them you know, crap the bed with the likes of Mohamed Sanu. Uh, you know, they were trying to cover Julio Jones and Sanu had an absolute riot. And of course, that team would just go to them again. Like the Falcons would just go to him again and again and again. And similarly in this game, like he was a regular target, perfect passer rating and really smashed us when someone on the defense just needed to stand up and make it count. Yeah, just very quickly on Brent Huntley. It's on all three of the, the key passes that he made last night, Devontae Adams, the screen and Randall Cobb, it was just his first read, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's the point I was trying to make, that if you just make his mind up for him, he is effective because he throws a good ball. When he starts to make decision makings and he needs to go through his sort of progression, that's when he begins to struggle and makes wrong decisions. So I think when you saw the, the ball to, to Adams, you know, great route run by Adams, um, a busted play for Cobb, and the screenplay was probably the first effective screenplay we've run for 16 years. No, it's, it was it was just a nice, a nice change to see that, wasn't it? So... You know, the point is that make his mind up for him when he's an effective deliverer of the ball. Um, Antonio Brown, you know, Dom's defense have made a living on making um, great NFL players even greater, haven't they? We just don't have a clue how to defend that sort of talent, really. Um, I was encouraged at the very start we went into a sort of um, man defense, and I thought that looked more effective than the, the zone defense that we have been playing. We did some bracket coverage. And again, I thought that was quite effective, but we seem to get away from it. Yeah. I think when Randall, you know, went into the locker room for his for his IV, and Kevin King's obviously playing injured, I think that um, that sort of hampered us a little bit. And also, you've also Devon House was doing Devon House things. Really, we just don't match up well, do we? You know, Antonio Brown's a superior athlete, and he's a, an absolute quality wide receiver. We just don't have the manpower or, or the sort of scheme to be able to sort of cope with that sort of talent, really. Now, I know this is a different sport, but you have the opportunity to give us kind of the inside 
into the mentality of a professional footballer. So you've played for, um, so name the team. So we've Torquay, uh, Shrewsbury Town. Yeah, and Hartlepool, yeah, those are the teams that I, uh, all, all sort of, you know, big names in the football world, obviously. Yeah, you made your, you made your uh, <laughs> bread and butter. But this this thing, like, I mean, you're a full-time athlete and you would have come up against big sides. You would have been playing in cups where you've been playing teams from different leagues, probably, you know, superior leagues. Isn't that right? I mean, they come down and absolutely, yeah. be a massive yeah, yeah, game. Absolutely. So, Andy, give us an insight, right? Because the Packers now are... Like they're under, they're going to be underdogs for most games that they go into. I know that was encouraging to what happened against the Steelers. So if we take the game against the Steelers, which is the best one, because you know we with the bookies we were two touchdown underdogs. What's the mentality like on a sports team when you're going up against the team? Because I don't know, maybe this is, and maybe you can sort of shed a bit of light on it. But maybe this is different because maybe the Packers never see themselves as underdogs because of that sort of winning spirit or whatever. But we were still two touchdown underdogs. And th- you talk about that New England game and we had Matt Flynn. And Mike McCarthy famously came out and said, we are nobody's underdogs. But he wasn't that ballsy this time around when he was told that to his face. You're underdogs. <laughs> Everyone thinks you're underdogs. You know, he wasn't so forthcoming. What's the mentality of a team? I mean, does it, does you know, can you give us an example of, of when you come up against that to sort of show us? And also, does that galvanize a team against the better team does it make you disheartened? And if a couple of things actually do go right, then you start getting, you know, a bit of pep in your step during the game. Like, what what is that mindset going into something like this? Uh, I think I liken it to the point I made earlier, really. is When you've got nothing to lose, you really can't lay it all out on the table and, and, and think, well, you know, nobody expects anything from us in the first place. Where, where there's a level of expectancy on your shoulders, it, it depending on what sort of character you are, it can sort of quite weigh quite heavily. Yeah. And I think that when you come across, so I think that, some of the shocks that I think we played sort of West Bromwich Albion, for example, um, on a Tuesday night for Hartlepool, a very unfashionable football club where West Bromwich Albion are now a, a Premier League sort of soccer team, if you like. And you can feel the sort of atmosphere in the ground of expectancy. There's an atmosphere that, that they want to do well, they expect to do well, and when it doesn't go quite their way, the pressure for some of the characters on the pitch becomes too much for them and they, they'll hide. They don't want the ball. They don't want to receive the ball. They want to just sort of dance around the periphery of what's going on and don't want to get involved in the action. And you can see that. You can see that as, a, as an athlete. You can see that they're not comfortable being under pressure. And, and and when you're sort of looking to build a franchise or build a team, whether it's football, soccer or whatever it is, you look for characters. You look for strong characters, people that can handle that pressure, that can handle that level of expectancy that comes with being a Green Bay Packer. Because you, you've got that, haven't you? You know, with the biggest, you know, fan base I would suggest in, in, in world sports almost and so with, with that comes a huge responsibility um, and huge pressure and sometimes I think it's um, to be an underdog I liked it when McCarthy came out with that and he said you know where nobody's underdog I thought that was great and I think that carried over into the performance on that day wasn't it where we were very short manned and, and we almost pulled it off in New England's backyard and I think to a degree I think it was similar sort of yesterday evening but this time I think we've just got less talent on the roster than we had probably back in 2010 yeah and you know what a part of me thinks as well from seeing some of the teams that we come up against and seeing how we get you know because the the Steelers have kind of a one-track mind right I mean they're going to go to Antonio Brown they're going to try supplement that with uh with Le'Veon Bell but 
when you look at them, I mean, they're they're one dimensional, but it works. Um, once you have someone firing on all the cylinders, it works. No one cribs and moans about it. Everyone gets on with it. You, you know, you notch up the wins like the Steelers have. Uh, they're you know, one of the one of the top dogs in the AFC. Is it okay for a team to be one dimensional? Are we okay to be doing what we're doing, where we need Aaron Rodgers to make it all tick? Because it's not like having Antonio Brown, where it's one wide receiver. You know, you can triple cover him at times and ju- and just sort of nullify him. The fact that we have Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he's capable of doing so much, especially behind a good O line. I mean, is that good enough for a team, no, or do you no, think no. that you know we? Because this is pretty prevalent. I mean, I know that we're a Packers podcast, we're Packers fans, and we're going to be focused just on our team. But this is quite common, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so the likes of Antonio Brown and the Ben Roethlisberger connection is step one. So that'll take you so far. It'll be sort of the average teams in the NFL, and, and we're probably in that bracket right now. Um, step two to get to the playoffs is you need a tight end and you need a running game, and they've got the running game. Uh, and they've got some decent tight ends on the on the Pittsburgh squad. And step three is the additional weapons. So the JJ, you know, Juju Smith Schuster is it, uh, who's come to come to light this year. And then you've got Martavis Bryant, who was, you know, has had his ups and downs, but can be a, a decent weapon on his day. So when you get all of those things firing, then you become, you know, an offense that's worth sort of really planning for. Um, I, I liken it sort of. You think about Sterling Sharp, for example. So when we, the Packers first brought, drafted Sterling Sharp, very much so. He was just a, he was our one-trick pony. That, that's all we had. And you know, against some of the average teams, and then he would score three and four touchdowns a game. And you have to look at the Thanksgiving game against Dallas, where he, he absolutely dominated. But unless you can complement that with other weapons, tight ends, running backs, uh, and second and third wide receivers, you're never going to get to the big dance um, because the better teams will plan for you and game plan for you and eliminate your best weapon, whether they're man you up or double you or bracket you. It's just that we don't seem to be able to do it or Dom's defences aren't designed to be able to do it. So I think it's a combination of ability and, and scheme at the minute because I think we are a little bit short-handed. But, but for me, I don't see Pittsburgh. So if you look at New England's sort of arsenal of weapons compared to what Pittsburgh have got, I still think they're probably streets ahead with what Tom Brady's got at his disposal as opposed to what Ben Roethlisberger's got. Because it's frustrating, Andy, because, I mean, when you look down through the grading for our players, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, they sit at 25 at their position, but arguably, you know, they're kind of Swiss Army Nelson, they're a bit better. Jordy Nelson has kind of gone a bit anonymous, uh, hasn't been targeted, and his favourite target is Devontae Adams. But as you said, maybe that's because whatever route that they have Devontae on, um, it's favourable for a first read. Then you look at a running backs, Jamal Williams, you know, creases people. He's he's definitely serviceable. He's quick footwork. Uh, Aaron Jones, when he's healthy, is fantastic. Ty Montgomery can do some things. Ripkowski is ninth at his position, arguably, you know, in a in a dying position. Um, but, you know, he's picked up his blocking ability from the likes of Kuhn. Uh, Corey Lindsley, good center. Um, tackles Bakhtiari's number one in the league. Brian Balaga can't stay healthy. Um you know, you look at our safeties, Morgan Burnett was, you know, balls out. We have Haha Clinton Dix again, which is having a bit of a down year, but he's still up there. Blake Martinez is a revelation. Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, what a tandem. Clay Matthews having one of his better years than usual. Nick Perry's you know, something he's he's hot and cold. I mean, you know, and then of course Mason Crosby is kicker. Um who's been solid apart from the amount of change that we have at that position. So it really comes down to having pretty subpar cornerbacks. 
Um, you know, and although Demarius Randall is becoming better, so it, you know, I I look at the likes of, um, Casey Hayward and Micah Hyde, and Julius Peppers even, and I'm thinking, you know, they're doing so well where they're at. Does it literally just come down to Dom Caper's system, and that's all we need to change, or is it more endemic than that that we just don't have the leaders in the locker room? to spur this team on or does that stuff go hand in hand that if we got a new coordinator we'd get a different mentality and that this is a Super Bowl defence I think it's a bit of both at the minute Steve I think it's um, the scheme for me just doesn't work and the fact that the likes of Casey Haywood and Micah Hyde and even Julius Peppers to a degree have gone away and and done some great things this year sort of bears that out really doesn't it Um, I don't think we've got the, the playmakers in the in the sort of 53 at the minute to make the defence work regardless. I would like to see us make a change um, at coordinator. I'd like us to go to 4-3, strictly because I think that uh, sort of Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels as a, a sort of 4-3 inside tandem would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? You know, if you could get two bookends just at either side of those two, uh, good luck to your offensive line trying to keep them away. Um, I think Blake Martinez has been an absolute monster this year and I could see him sort of being an effective you know, inside linebacker in a 4-3 as well. Um, you know, put Nick Perry to one side and then sort of get yourself another pass rusher from somewhere. And you've got the the makings of a great front seven. The, the cornerback situation, I think when King's fully fit, I think he'll be a player. Um, Devon House wasn't a player the first time he was in Green Bay. Um, he regressed in Jacksonville and then he's continued his regression in his second stint in Green Bay. Um, Demarius Randall, we've talked about, I think at the star position, man on the slot, I think he's been probably the most improved player over the last sort of six weeks. He's, he's really come on. So hopefully we can unearth the, the sort of first round grade talent that he has at Arizona. Um, and then we look at the safeties, I suppose. Um, Morgan Burnett played really well last night, didn't he? You know, really, really good to see him back in there. If he can stay fit, he's a, he's a true leader. Uh, Clint, Clinton Dix was the Clinton Dix of 2017. I thought he was bang average again last night, mm. standing, you know, watching... I think the commentator mentioned that he was uh, one of the best tacklers in in the NFL. I don't I don't know what um, <laughs> I don't know what Packer has been watching, but if he if he count tackles sort of twenty five yards past the line of scrimmage, then then maybe he's right up there. Yeah, but he was it's just anticipation, his, his willingness to get involved as well. I think those are the two things for me where at least in his first couple of years, he showed a real willingness to get in there, get his nose in there. And Whether that's by design in terms of scheme or whether that's something that he's taken a personal decision to do, mm. we'll, we'll probably never find out. But he certainly is he up for dollar this year, isn't he? I, I wouldn't be paying him over the odds. I, I'd be letting him walk on his current performance. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd go in a different direction because he's just not, you know, he's not earning that money, is he? Um, um, be an interesting decision come the off-season. Well, uh, yeah, then you know he's going to go to a different team and absolutely ball out. <laughs> that's oh, we're saying the same thing. Like, mm. And that's the thing, isn't it? In his defence, you know, we've seen glimpses that he's an, it's a really effective player in the NFL and probably in the higher echelons of safety. So the ability is there. Now, is it because he's, he's regressed in terms of performance or is it a scheme thing that's keeping him out of, of what we need to do in terms of anticipation, you know, breaking up plays, reading the game and all that? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, so it's difficult to be too critical of him. It's just frustrating because you know there's a player there and we're not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it wouldn't be the first time now that we've personally heard from a defensive player being slightly 
Uh, I don't know, maybe passive-aggressive is the wrong word to use, but certainly... Passive has... is the right word. He's being passive. That's exactly the right yeah. word, isn't it? So, you know, you look at the player when he comes off the pitch and he's... Um... He's hardly broke a sweat, you know. His his jersey, his game jersey, still clean, and uh, just doesn't doesn't look right. Yeah, you know, the, the soccer guys at the minute, they all wear these GPS trackers, don't they? It tells you how far you've run and you know what sort of effort you've put into the game. I'd like to see that information, you know. Put them on the packers and let's see who's uh, let's see who's balling out and who's not. Be very interesting. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't trust those GPS trackers, especially in Ireland. They put you down on one-way streets, so God knows what the defense would be doing if they had those things on them as well. You know what I mean? God knows where they'll end up. They'd be all in the tunnel running around in circles. Um, Journey improve. Journey improve <laughs> So, look, as you said, I mean, it was encouraging enough. Um, Brett Hundley, as long as he takes care of the ball, which he did, and, uh, you know, his rating of 134, again, you know, 245 yards and, and a large chunk of those, all but 62 were on... Um, you know, yards after the catch. So, you know, that's that's really a perfect game, really, is dependent on those players to to perform. But looking ahead, Andy, to the schedule as it stands, you know, we've the Bucks coming up, um, who are at four and seven, so they've got a worse record than we do. And, of course, we have the Browns after that. I was fearful going into this Steelers game, and especially after the Ravens game, that this wasn't going to spell you know good things for the Packers and the Browns game was the one that actually worried me because I was thinking here's a winless team and it's like <laughs> Italy in the Six Nations sometimes they always eke out a win against someone and you have to you know you might be that bogey team and I was just worried that we would be the team to embarrass ourselves Um, of course it'll only mean that if Aaron Rodgers would come back on December 17th against the Panthers which is the next game that he's eligible for is that maybe, you know, the stark contrast and he'll win out the, the season with three games, but more for pride than anything else, um, you know, giving us that eight, um, eight win. Uh, Do you not think he wants the Vikings? Do you not think that's what he wants the most? I think there's a real desire there to um, see Mr. Barr in all his glory and, and stick one up him. That's that's where I think Aaron Rodgers is with it all. So regardless of whether he's with a chance or not, I, I think he would like to wear... Leave a calling card for the Minnesota Vikings, and I hope he does. That's yeah. that's the one game I've got marked off in my diary. That if you ask me, out of all the games, I would want that one in the bag. But regardless of our record at the time, I would like to to stick one on the Minnesota Vikings. I think we owe them one big style. It's it's interesting, Andy, isn't it? Because you're sort of looking at it then, and you're thinking, yeah, do it to to knock a divisional rival. Why not? But then yeah, yeah. you do look at like who you're going to get in the draft, and do 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 teams actually have that mentality? Do they write off a season effectively and say, you know, because it's kind of like preseason games, right? You look at a preseason game and people are like, oh, he's playing crap, and you're kind of thinking, no, he's not. He's doing exactly what he's told to do because they're trying to, you know, try out. They're trying to get him to go through his reads, maybe, and that's what they're doing. So they don't particularly care if he throws the ball or not. They just want to see, like when you do your driving test, you know, and they say, look in the mirrors every seven seconds or something. You know what I mean? They, they don't really care. You could probably crash it into a wall, perhaps, and they might pass you and think, well, well, he's looking in his mirror while he did it, so that's fine. You know, it's kind of like you, you don't really know what they're looking for. I don't know. Do you no. think that's true? Do you think? Do you think? What is it, Andy? That they want to put him out against the Vikings. He wants to stick it to the guy who smashed him into the ground, who was grabbing his, you know, what's looking at him walking off the field or whatever, um, which is apparently is a is a suck at sign. Um, yeah. Is, would it be to put a fork in the in the Vikings and scupper them a little bit, you know, make them not have home field advantage or whatever, or did the Packers just say, take it easy, or go home and play Madden? Don't be worrying about. It? That's how A-Rod's wide, isn't it? That's why we love him, because he's a competitor 
of the first degree and he wants to win it all, you know. Uh, and I like that about him. I love that edge that he's got. He's got that combative attitude and chip on his shoulder and, you know, I, I like, that's why we love him and I would love to see him back. I think even if we win out now, 10-6 is going to be borderline playoff, isn't it? Looking at the NFC, it's um, it's quite competitive, isn't it? There might be some 10-6 and six teams that don't even get in the playoffs this year. So I think um, to make the playoffs now is going to be a long shot. Um, even if we went out but um, I, I just think he has that glint in his eye I think he's expecting to play um, he was hurling the ball around pretty effectively by the looks of it in, in pre-game yesterday I think he wants to play regardless he's a leader of the Green Bay Packers and I think he wants to show people that um, and he might put a few more dollars on his ever-growing salary um, by co- by coming back and taking a the losing team to the winning side of the coin again. Well, I just think he's uh, MVP material by absence. You know, when they have this uh, top 100 players. Like, honestly, yeah, God, yeah. I think that if there's going to be a candidate, he has to be it because to, to take the team uh, down to Swanee um, now that he's off. But so the Packers are 5-6. and six. They, They're ninth in the NFC. Eagles have already hit the 10 win mark and they don't look like they're going to be stopping. The same with the Rams. I think they showed they were legit by, by getting that win over the Saints. The bookies have picked the Saints to to beat the Rams. That was a frustrating one, right? Because I've I'm on Irish radio every Saturday, and they they used to they make me do this like uh, you know typical Paddy's right, you know where they have to do the betting right. They're like, oh, give us a few bets, and I'm like, all right. Now I don't do it myself because I think I've mentioned this probably before. I bet like twice in my life on the horses, and it was this sweepstakes and work, and I think both horses got put down because they fell and got mangled after I bet on them. So for the sake of all uh, equestrian health, I don't bet anymore. So. I do this sort of um this mega act now where I just pick every game and I just try to do it. And the one team that let me down were the Chiefs. But I picked the Rams to beat the Saints, which they did because I think they look legit. Um, I don't think it's going to last. I think naivety is what's carrying them. The same as kind of with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think Case Keenum's a real deal. You don't get a journeyman quarterback who was like, you know, humiliatedly benched last season uh, and is going to come back and, and really smash it. So, you know, Saints, uh, Rams, they're both at eight wins. Minnesota Vikings on nine. Uh, Carolina Panthers on eight. Falcons and Seahawks on seven. And the Lions are on six. So, you know, I, I'm looking at the standings and, and they're saying like, oh, Green Bay wins the, the tie over Dallas based on head-to-head. The same with Arizona. I don't. I think Dallas have, have gone down the Swanee. Um, the same with the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to be anywhere close even though they're on the same record. So, I mean, Andy, looking ahead, schedule-wise, so we've the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, then we go away to the Browns, then we go and face Cam and the Panthers, um, you know, and I mean, they've the second-best defense in the league. Look, if Aaron Rodgers is back, well, then yes, we have a chance, And but again, I don't know, like, we're going to have to beat the Bucs, beat the Browns uh, to be sitting with any somewhat of a chance to effectively run the table with Hundley and Rodgers. Now, Hand, you know, you you lead with your head, you lead with your heart here, based on the performances that we've seen. Bear in mind, we've beaten the Bears, we got pasted by the Ravens, we brought the Steelers close. Is that enough to show you that this is actually progressing, or was it a Steelers bad day on defense? And is there any semblance of hope for you that we get to the playoffs? I think we've seen enough to 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 wish that we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, but I, I still think that ten and six, you're going to struggle to get given the tiebreakers to get into the playoffs. So uh, the Saints, the Rams, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Vikings, 
would be looks like a quite a strong top six to me. Detroit's schedule looks quite favourable as well. So um, I think it's going to be tough, even if we win out, to make it to the playoffs. Let's win the first of these two games. Let's take one game at a time and let's see where we are um, come the Carolina game because things can change, can't they? You know, we're all talking about Carolina being number two defence and Cam Newton. You know, if Cam Newton goes down with an injury next week, then we're looking at a totally different beast, aren't we? So it's, you know... if nothing else this season in the NFL has shown us that things change very quickly, you know, who would have thought that the New York Giants were going to be two and nine at the start of the season? You know, you look at this sort of the amount of quality that's sitting on the bench on IR in the NFL this year. It's frightening, isn't it? So I, I don't look too far past the week in front of me, to be honest. And let's see where it sort of ends up. It just showed you with the game this week, didn't it? Like I said, keep it close. You don't know any given Sunday on the NFL. You don't know what's going to happen. Keep it close to the fourth quarter and let's see what happens. Unfortunately, the, the coin flipped on the wrong side for us this week. But it, it, it really is. It's a league of parity, isn't it? And um, the, the Eagles look the strength of the NFC to me. Uh, and the Patriots look the strength of the AFC by a considerable distance. Um but that's not to say I like the look of the Rams. I think they've got some some impressive young talent um, down there, and the, the coach is doing a great job, isn't he, McVeigh? And um, I don't know if you watched the game. I saw a bit of the game on Sunday night. It was the uh, we talked about the interceptions, didn't we? You wanted me to mention this, didn't you? So I think that <laughs> I'm going to edit that part out and just pretend that you just raised it. Oh, let me mention this thing, Steve. The value. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jared Goff, been, he's been awesome, hasn't he? He's looked uh, you know, a different player to what he looked last year, but he, he threw a pick off a pass intended for Sammy Watkins and he underthrew the ball slightly. Watkins tried to one-hand it, but all he did was tip it up to the cornerback that was previously trailing him by about two and a half yards. Yeah. And, he, and the cornerback made a pick. Yeah, look at that player. I meant that, but actually he was, he was smelling like toast because he'd been burnt by about two and a half yards, but yeah. uh, came up with a pick. But yeah, he looks good. They look good, the Rams, don't they? They look exciting. They've got lots of diversity, lots of weapons. They'll get to the NFC Championship game, I think, against Philadelphia. That'd be my prediction. Yeah, um, and thanks for validating my point that I had with Rhino. Um, and also Matt dived in there as well, feed first. So that was a hypothetical situation and it happened. So uh, <laughs> next hypothetical example is when I win the lotto and I decide to buy a brand new podcast I'm just going to say that I'm just going to put that out there that I'm going to win the lotto so a couple of weeks um, you know drinks on me so Andy any other business then coming out of this Steelers game or any other news around the uh, the Packers that you feel is, is worth a mention so the only thing that came out this week that I thought was quite um, newsworthy was obviously the news that Lance Kendrick has also been um on the weed <laughs> yeah. so that gives us uh, another one for the collection doesn't it don't you find it a little bit odd that the culture around the around the ball club at the minute with all that sort of stuff happening we sort of hide ourselves to a to a high standard don't we and I, I don't know about you but I expect better of a Green Bay Packer yeah yeah because I mean it wasn't long ago that it was all this thing of oh no if you have any record whatsoever um, you know that you weren't a proper Packer blah 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 but look the thing is I don't think the players on the Packers need to be more laid back than what they are I think they should get off the weed and maybe get on the Adderall like uh, the Seahawks that might do us the trick um, well, I, do, you, well, do you know what I got I got a I got a pasting on social media today because um, I think sort of looking at the, the draft pick where we took Trevor Davis and I was um, hankering after Tyreek Hill and um, he's, he's turned out to be okay in Kansas City hasn't he but yeah, we couldn't touch him because he was a, a character risk well, right, okay. So he's a he's a character risk, but he's um you know, but it's okay to to bring guys in who you know, 
and look where it gets them. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. We, we put ourselves on this pedestal and think we're mightier than now. And actually, we, we have as much, as many issues in the ball club as other people do. So I just think it's a little bit hypocritical sometimes to sort of point the finger and say, well, we didn't take that guy because he's a character risk. But when you look at that, our record, it's, it's no different to anybody else's. Yeah, like I understand to try sort of, you know, safeguard the organisation, not to have that pure nightmare. And of course, the Packers wouldn't have had any idea that Lance decides to go on the wacky to backy um, and some of the other lads, you know. I mean, I don't think any of them uh, thought that some of the players would end up with, what was it, a, a bundle of drugs and a, and a firearm in the car who'd be, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. pissed drunk and would turn around to their missus and say, here, listen, and throw her a wad of cash and say, bail me out later, baby. You know, but it's, this is a fact, so isn't it, Steve? This is a fact, so it's, it's not it's not up for discussion. They are facts, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, Teddy's dips into free agency have been have been pretty awful, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the guys with the, the guns in the car, whether it's, uh, you know, the guy who quits the team, or whether it's the guy who turns to weed, it's it, it's not great, is it? You know, it's you're going to go and do some research. If you're going to go and buy a new vehicle, you go and find out, who's test driving it and what it's all about and how many miles the gallon it does and you do your research and yeah. he's the best guy in the best position to do that and for whatever reason or for the reasons it's it's not turning out great is it in many cases <laughs> yeah. yeah i think you know what you only really you get what you pay for really you know and i know that there are people and, and all the rest of it but it still kind of applies if you're going to go out and try get a, a sort of a deal in um, free agency you know, and get that sort of one-year deal. For some teams, it works, you know, for the Patriots. I, I don't know. And Andy, I know we, we've raised this before, but I, and I think you were saying a, a couple of podcasts ago, it depends on what talent want to play for you. I mean, you know, there's that famous story with Holmgren and Reggie where, you know, God wants you to sign for the Packers, all the rest of it, and no one in the right mind to come up, but then he sort of caused that tide to shift. There's probably an element of that too, maybe, in the Packers. Do you think that sometimes... The sort of some of the players just don't want to play for the Packers, maybe for whatever reason, which baffles me because of the history and and to have Aaron Rodgers there, and we seen that once he went down, Martellus Bennett, um, you know, dived off a sinking ship, um, which wasn't great, which again was another kind of mistake in, in free agency, but I think the Packers, and I think you agree, right? We need more nastiness, um, and I don't mean go out and you know have a meth lab in your in your home i'm just talking about you know being nastier on the field and as well as that to be held accountable right because surely there's just sort of an epidemic of i don't know bad discipline maybe in this team you have to be sure that if you do something wrong that the coach is going to bring you up and kick your ass for it and not that you can be going around uh doing this type of stuff now again of course you get people who say weed is weed who cares you know what i mean most people just you know, get a joint, sit down, relax, whatever. Um, but at the same time, it just goes to show it's lack of discipline, it's breaking the rules, and they're obviously not getting wrapped hard enough for doing this type of stuff. No, I think we lack an edge, don't we? I think we certainly lack an element of freshness in our coaching as well. I think that, the, you know, it's an evolving league, isn't it? And um, I'd like to see some some younger bodies in there with some fresh ideas just to sort of, you need that little bit of tension as well. I don't know whether it's because the, the coaching staff have, you know, been there a period of time now that everyone's become so comfortable in their positions and uh, comfortable in their environment. It's okay to do this and okay to do that. And we're very family orientated, aren't we? And they go away for Thanksgiving and we finish early on, you know, public holidays and they have the, the bye week and they all go home and disappear, don't they? And McCarthy runs a very family orientated ship, which is great. I, no, no issues with that whatsoever. But I just think that there needs to be that element of tension there, doesn't there? Yeah. And if you step, you step out of line, you talked about, 
Sean McVeep sort of pre-pod, didn't you, about the sort of the discipline approach that he's got. And you see that. You see that in the execution, don't you? You see that in their approach this season. It's paying dividends. And I think we need that little bit of tension back in the camp somehow just to bring people into line and give them a single focus as opposed to being a little bit sort of... Uh, there's a lot of apathy around. I talked about it last week in the in the sort of, you know, the game at Lambeau. I just feel there's that we just need that sort of reinvigoration of enthusiasm and diversity, freshness, aggression, just a bit more hunger and desire. Just just all those ingredients, really, because they all add up to success. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I would love to see it. I know people don't want to see it, but I definitely do want to see it. Uh, hard knocks go to Green Bay and just see because some of the coaching staff that I've seen on the other teams, I just think, like, the la- I just wouldn't be able to work uh, with some of these coaches. My pride would get the better of me and I'd start, you know, harking back. But, you know, you'd need that to kind of fire, you know. And I, I'd like to see what it's like in Green Bay. Um, now, when we went to Green Bay and met Devon House, who's a very soft-spoken kind of guy, you know, that was one of the questions that I want to ask them. But again, we got up there in the bus. It was like a roller coaster, Jesus Christ. I was like... You know, it's like it's compulsory that every, I don't know, 14 centimetres of road in Green Bay has to be uneven to the previous 14 centimetres. <laughs> so the arse was smashed off me again. I got off to Green Bay because I've never been on the likes of it in my life. It was like the car which had suspension did not have suspension. Um, and I was driving a bus and it was fishtailing <laughs> and there were roadworks the whole way. Jesus Christ, it was the worst thing ever. So again, I get in, I was just happy to be alive. So I just sat there just staring at the Von House talk and sat down and got a picture with him. So I uh, pictures of you looking like the anthill mob. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but look, I was absolutely exhausted, and that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask. But then I was thinking, Jesus Christ, no! You know, I was going to say to him, "Are they hard on you? You know, are are they, the staff tough?" Because we get that kind of insight into hard knocks. Now, how much of that is just the bravado of being on camera and wanting to appear that way? But like yeah. on every team and every episodes that we've seen, is you know, one of the guys is an ex-military guy. How he gets a job in football. I don't know, but yeah, they need that edge for sure. Yeah, and I don't think you need to be. It's, you can do that edge in, in lots of ways, can't you? You know, when I went through my sort of football career, there was there were certain managers that you remember that were, you know, very verbally persuasive, shall we say? Yeah. And and, and they would get a reaction from people um, in the short term. It may only last for sort of 12, 18 months because that message becomes tired after a while. Mm. But certainly, you know, it's a bit like when you change a manager in soccer. It's um, you only get short-term results just based on the fact that people become more aware about their job security. Try a little bit harder. Try and impress. Fresh start. You know, looking to sort of put that extra yard in just to sort of build up their bank balance with the with the current coaches. And, and I think we need that. I definitely think we need a change at, at some at some levels, just to provide us with that sort of injection of freshness yeah well that's it and sometimes I move past just you know instead of just a fire Dom Capers for the sake of fire Dom Capers because I had a bad game no. you know it's sometimes as you say it's just for that for that energy you can outstay your welcome but that's the same as an organisation and a company you know if you people stay there too long they get too comfortable and too entitled and I'm not saying that's the, the players or the, or the staff are too entitled but you know it's the same sort of premise you need an injection someone new some fresh blood in there and we've seen with the likes of Sean McVeigh as well Andy that it's not always the old recyclables you know it's not always the same as with the Premier League where one manager is you know too crap for West Brom but all of a sudden he gets a job with Everton you know what I mean um, so. things go in cycles though Steve don't they so it's a bit like you know going back in the years we were a 4-3 defence in, in 96 and when we changed to the 3-4 it was like oh we can't change to the 3-4 it's never going to work mm-hmm. you know, I've always been a 4-3 and, and you know, and we win a Super Bowl. So it's it's sometimes about understanding that the players that you've got in your in your dressing room and and building the defense that fits those talents. Yeah. Uh, and at the minute, we haven't got a a huge number of 
what I would call, you know, all pro starters. But we've got enough pieces in place that I think it's going to suit the four three as opposed yeah. to three four. Yeah, do right. Um, so green shoots some certainly some good stuff but we'll we'll see how it all washes out against the tampa bay books we're going to be previewing that game on the thursday night podcast into friday so rhino is currently probably sledgehammer in hand uh, i don't know if he has electrics i don't know if he has running water Um, it's like something from you know the bubonic plague era where he's throwing his waste out the top window and um, so you know just if you're going by rhino's <laughs> house just don't walk too close on the footpath or you might see a river of feces so uh, that's that's the update on rhino unfortunately it's probably going to get worse and worse each week um you know he's, he's perfectly fine so a uh, few things to mention then so super bowl tickets are still up for sale uh the dublin meetup as we said was a fantastic meetup it was great so anybody who's looking to go to birmingham again it's absolute bargain basement stuff tickets to the super bowl party themselves are 25 pounds and then you can get the room which is a twin room for 70 pounds for the twin room which is 35 pounds each so for 60 quid all in you can get your Super Bowl tickets hotel and the hotel has a spa um, and we're organizing um, big TVs and all the rest. Now, on top of that, we need to keep the lights on in UK Packers HQ. So we sell a couple of T-shirts because we need to cover the cost of like bar extensions. And again, we supplemented some of the stuff for Dublin as well. So we were giving away tickets, you know, you get two points, whatever, but the actual price of the ticket didn't cover the points so you know that's what the group is all about so if you want to keep the lights on uh, and as well as that look at rhino i mean he hasn't got lights in his house whatsoever we don't want that to happen to uk parkers hq do you so you can buy your members t-shirt and again anybody who signed up for a membership number and you haven't got it yet we release them in tranches because what we find is that someone will apply for a membership number forget that they've done it then reapply so we need to sort of manually check just to make sure that um you know if you've applied for a number you don't get another one if you've applied seven times in a row because it doesn't magically pop into your inbox and um, that we give that to you uh properly as well so if you have applied be patient and we'll get that out to you as well so we have the membership tees we have some cool beanies out there uh for you to snap up as well and we've some exciting stuff coming uh with signed march and the 1919 club um coming soon will actually be a 1919 shop so if anybody is interested in getting signed march um, make sure that you're subscribed to our a subscriber list and you can do that from the site sign up and get the the breaking news when that happens likely what we're going to do is is send out a list of all of the items that we're going to stock in the shop and if you jump in there and decide that you want that item well then it will go straight to you and it's a first come first served because as you as you know players will only sign you know one or two items or whatever so first come first served uh some of the stuff on the list are the likes of a bakhtiari uh, jersey we've got some haha clinton dick stuff uh jamie jerry kramer jerseys um it's some good stuff but subscribe to the email we'll be sending out a sort of wish list is what we call it and uh, if you put your name down for it it's all yours but more details on that to come so from myself at NFL on twitter from the group at uk packers make sure you follow us on instagram and facebook and from me old buddy me old pal it's at pooley shrew andy davies it's goodbye till the books preview see you mate bye